Hello, this is our Fam Electric Ghost. We have Doreen Marcellier. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. So I got your name right? Yeah, you did, actually. I had looked it up. <laughs> <laughs> and that's smart. Yeah, it's not you know, the most easy or common last name. Well, I've been um, interviewing indie artists or artists from around the world for the last three years. So I've actually talked to several artists from um, the Netherlands and Norway and Denmark. Ah, good. Yeah, so, so you've you've had your fair share of uh, yeah, difficult names. <laughs> yeah, so I'll just give a little bio. I'm Fam Electric Ghost. I'm an electronic music producer and musician myself, and I've been interviewing indie artists from around the world since 2018 um, on Anchor FM, which is part of Spotify, and we've got about 23,000 listeners worldwide. And we like to talk to musicians from all genres. And you're the first classical musician we've been able to get on. So that's very, we're very excited <laughs> that we're talking to you today. I'm very so, flattered <laughs> to be the first classical musician. Well, since I'm a synthesis, one thing I always do is like, if you're a synthesis, what we do is we mimic other instruments. So I you're right. have mimic, mimics of strings and flutes. I started as a, you know, clarinet player. Oh, really? Yeah, I realized I couldn't write full songs just on my clarinet. So I got into synthesizers in my set when I was like 20 years old. Um, and I'm in my 50s now. But yeah, I just, you know, I have an appreciation for all instruments because synthesis, we, we try to replicate everything. Um, so yeah, talking to somebody who, who uses the actual instrument, I'm always <laughs> very excited to talk to guitar players. And you're, 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 you're a cello player, right? I'm or a harpist. Yes. Yeah, harpist. Yeah, and a harpist. That that's something I haven't used that many harps in some of my music. Maybe a couple of years ago, I did a rock opera where I had some. Mm, yeah. <laughs> but but uh, <laughs> it's interesting. So we always like to ask um, questions that we sent you. Now, I do have yeah. some information in your bio, but I'll start with the first question. When did you first get into music and at what age? I do have an answer, but I'll let you talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I got into uh, music. Well, way before I started playing an instrument, actually, because I come from a, a very culturally engaged family. And so there was always music playing. My dad is a great fan of um, Frank Zappa and uh, uh, Pink Floyd. So he would be really into that experimental rock kind of music. And my mom always was listening to classical music. And there was a point, I think, when I heard the sound of the harp and I realized that's incredible. What is this? And then she took me to a concert as a four-year-old, um, like, a, 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 like a lunch concert, something quite short. And when I saw it, I, I was sold. That had to be, you know, the, the thing I played. So I had to uh, beg and beg. And finally, when I was six, she brought me to music school. So actually, she thought I would find out that day that I was still too young or too short or small to play yeah a pretty big instrument. yeah but then in this music school i got behind the instrument and it was such a click with this instrument that the teacher said please can i keep her so yeah that's how i started playing harp wow so you started really young because like yeah so that's awesome so you went to a conservatory right? i went to the conservatory yes i was in um in um young talent uh part of the conservatory since i was nine years old and then I went on to do my bachelor's and master's uh, in the conservatory as well. Yeah. So you won a festival. You won a Young Talent Prize 
at the age of seven yeah. before you even went to the conservatory. Yeah, yeah well, I, I did awesome. have harp lessons, of course. I started having lessons when I was yeah. six. So, yeah. But yeah, it, it went very quickly from that moment. And I think it's just because I don't have like stage parents, you know, the ones they were always a bit more like, please go play outside. Go be with your friends. Oh. Leave the harp alone oh, yeah. for five minutes. Oh, so they weren't like 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 actor parents of Not actors at all. are kind of known no. for like really pushing. No, um, but it's good that you had the love for the instrument because what I've talked to lots of you know musicians a lot of times, you know, especially like I like to talk to indie musicians or musicians that aren't super mainstream but are working musicians, and you find that they just like are in love with their instrument. Yeah, they're in love with music. And they do it because they love it, not because they're making millions of dollars like a superstar, <laughs> but because they just love love the art. Yeah. And that's always good to talk to someone like that. Yeah, um, convention. So, so you um, had some professors that you mentioned, like we went to for your bachelor's degree. Right. Um, at the conservatory, uh, Ernestine Stoop. Yeah, as I said, I, I studied first with Erika Waardenburg, um, uh-huh. and uh, I, I then I continued studying with Ernestine Stoop. Okay, yeah, I got that. One. No, but that makes sense. <laughs> I, I, and uh, yeah, those were my two professors, and um, both of them gave me a lot. I think from the first one I studied with her since I was nine. Um, and I, I did uh, the first two years of my bachelor's with her. But then by that time, I had been with her for 12 years. So I had to leave. But um, she, she taught me everything about the uh, harp repertoire and about technique and how to actually be above your instrument, like play, um, understand it so well that you can play any music. And then when I went to uh-huh. Ernestine, the, the other one, uh, the second one, she is um, a more experimental uh, harpist and she was always, um, I don't know if there, there must be also an expression in English for this, but we would say stay out of the, the lanes that are already paved. Like, oh, okay, that's cool. Well, that's kind of like, like you mentioned that your father was in yeah. Zappa. Like I'm, I'm a big, you know, a lot of synthesis were experimental in our nature because electronic music was like one like first experimental types of music right. and so when you mentioned like zappa you know, i'm big into zappa i'm into progressive rock uh and like parliament funkadelic you know the, the whole idea of um and bands like sunrock you know or or yeah you know, like jazz outfits like coltrane and sunrock yes i get drawn into that because i don't like you know being a synthesis i don't like to stay in the lane and that's why i do like what i call expansive sound where I bring in like anything from funk to classical to rock to jazz. And so it's interesting to talk to a classical musician that's talking like that. Cause a lot of musicians, I, I, I kind of started doing classical as a wind instrument as a yeah. clarinet and they kind of like to stay in their way. Yeah. That's also, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's actually what, what uh, started to bother me a few years ago because I am a classically trained. So I, I come from the same background as all of them. And I have, I share this, this love for my instrument. It's the happiest relationship I've ever had, <laughs> but okay. I, it's not all there is. And I feel like a lot of classical musicians um, without judging them, but this is just my opinion uh, of, how how I experience it is that that's all there is. 
and to me it's not it's mm-hmm. it's 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 great that you have a craft and that you have such a great understanding of your instrument but that there's more that actually opens uh well it's, I, i'm always interested in musicians that are willing to cross into other right. genres because i think it kind of even pushes the genre you're from, i think so too because you know? if you yeah because if you're like if i'm an experimental electronic musician and i'll go work with our jazz artists that you know they'll probably say well you're not as disciplined but you know experimental musicians can be just as disciplined as, as the classical musician <laughs> it's like so this idea that like certain disciplines are more than others yeah. and they, you know people can get that in their in their in their bones you know a blues player can say well i'm a pure blues yeah. guitar player and they have a certain opinion about that and then a jazz you know player might think they have a different opinion and the classical guitarist is going to have a different sure opinion. they're all guitar yeah. players but they're, they're all different lanes. And if you mix them, you can bring a lot of cool aspects. And I think that just pushes music forward. So it's cool to hear you Yeah, so that. I was really lucky. It was a great fit to, it was a great addition to my already, um, yeah, to what I already knew as a harpist or a musician. So I, I learned to um, to open up my mind and also to to look at other instrumentalists and what else is that, what else is there and yeah like funny collaborations I've done a lot of experimental music uh, music theater um, I'm right yeah. now with, with visual, visual artists, artists also visual artists too. Yeah. and um, yeah. yeah with with uh, spoken word artists and having a lot of fun doing that because it makes me more creative and it makes me more flexible and it inspires me a lot actually to work with different disciplines i think it's it's a wider audience because it's like a niche market for classical musicians and you you yeah you can make a living and you can do very well but then the whole world might not know if if you go and you work with with a more popular musician or experimental musician you get into that other, other lane you get a whole, whole, whole nother audience. Exactly, yeah. You know? So, for instance, last year I've been touring with this the Beatles cover band called The Analogs. They're Dutch, but they're doing really well. And um, awesome. they needed me for just one song in their She's Leaving Home and from, from the Sgt. Pepper album. But it was, mm-hmm. I mean, it's the easiest music I've ever played for harp. But... The, being part of such a nice tour with always sold out venues in Europe is incredible. It's a lot of fun. It's a different energy. I want to experience that too. Yeah, that's like, you know, you, you see a lot of bands like, um, I think, Trans-Siberian Orchestra, right. you know, they, got, they kind of mix rock with classical. And it's been a tradition, even in heavy metal, there's a lot of like, the scales that the guitar players play are more classical based than jazz or, rock or yeah. blues based and so so there's been that kind of mixing of genres even though maybe the rock fans didn't know it. <laughs> <laughs> um that, that that's what is actually going yeah. on but um it's it's kind of cool to see wh- where you're going with it because i, I think the harp is an awesome instrument I, and like i said i used it like a, a synthesized like roland um harp that came off of like one of their phantoms or something <laughs> but i used it in a, in, a, in a rock opera I wrote because I needed a classical instrument and I said well you know I wanted I wanted to use that because it had a certain yeah tone, you know certain, certain tones you want to pull like a, a cello or a violin or, or a certain type of piano and it's interesting like synthesizer plays sometimes we'll get these like synthesizers that can model a piano where I can actually lift the lid and I can say how high the lid is that's so nice <laughs> that's tune, incredible I can tune every 
every note. And so I can get very detailed that would be kind of things that classical musicians would appreciate. They wouldn't think that we do that, but we do. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, no, I'm well aware. Um, uh, a good friend of mine is is uh, has a ton of synthesizers, and it's incredible to see what you can do with these instruments. Yeah, so that's cool. It's like one of the things I was I always ask about. So your influences um, as a classical musician, um, can you kind of tell our audience like who inspires you? Because they might not know within the, the world of the harp, like who are the like great players of the harp that you might have been influenced by or do you, do you have like you know your reference points i always ask this of all my musicians that yeah well to. honestly so i am um not not the kind of person that becomes a fan of someone but of course there is people uh, when i was growing uh, growing up and wanting to get all into the harp of course i had some great examples like yana bushkova and xavier de mestre they were great names that inspired me as a young girl wanting to excel in the harp but then later on uh, it's not necessarily a person or something that influence influences me i think it's uh i'm just always looking for uh, to find a better way to use my instrument to express myself or the idea that i want to get across so it can be really anything that moves or inspire me like uh can be music but fashion okay. Or literature, literature, literature or, or a beautiful or exhibition, a but also a sunset or, or I don't know, a, a bird. Oh, okay. so that's interesting because like poets will say that, you know, like a poet or a writer, like a writer, they typically will, will say something that, you know, it doesn't, it's more. Esoteric. Yeah, yeah. You know, what you know, inspires it's, it's me is like, like if, if I feel I get a glimpse of an emotion or a mental place I could visit, I couldn't visit or get to without that that thing like this sunset or this movie or mm-hmm. and if it opens kind of a new universe that I cannot quite put my fingers on but for a moment it's there and I'm there that's yeah. that's really what inspires me and also drives me as a as a musician to create I think one cool thing I read about was like Jimi Hendrix they asked him about Electric Ladyland and people were saying well how do you get these sounds and he's like he's like what's well, a sound pain <laughs> And people didn't really understand what he was talking about, but it's like he was creating sounds on his guitar that were kind of ahead of synthesizers. That's, yeah. And he was doing things where he was getting like ocean waves yeah. and birds and all his atmospheric stuff to come out of his guitar on that, command because yeah. he had learned how to do it. And so that that always interested me because I'd say, well, that's a way to think about music is like you think about it visually, yeah. like synesthesia. You know, you think about it that it's actually come from emotion, it's coming from smell, yes, it's coming exactly. from sight sound it's like a painter you know and it's a different way of thinking because it's not oh what scale did you use what this you know who did are you are you doing some kind of dylan are you doing some kind of kind of hendrix well i'm doing something because i felt something obviously those people are all are all <laughs> incredible uh, creators also like bjork for instance yeah. i think she's incredible too um yeah. and they inspire me uh the the way they but because of the way they um they think about music or the way they create yeah uh yeah i've always been very inspired by like field recordings or people where they take poetry you know poetry slams or kind of mm-hmm. experimental jazz fusion right you know anybody that just said well i'm just going and the interesting thing i like to always notice they, they got the robert moog who created the moogs said that when he created them he felt like he tapped into the universe right. and as a as an engineer yeah. he said I felt like I was tapping something that was a universal, like, 
like muse and as an engineer i was tapping into it and you know most like guys who are engineers aren't going to talk like that and i always thought that that was very interesting and that's why i have a lot of modes (laughs) but they just have a feel that feels like a real instrument you know it doesn't just feel like a machine it feels like there's somebody that felt something that made this i think it's it's the it's the last incredible development in, in in musical instruments i think yeah it's just they can feel like i've got like Moogs I've got from different years, they're like guitars. Like a 74 mini Moog will sound different than a 72. Yeah, so... And, and you're like, why? It's, it's just like the way, of, like a Strat, like a Fender Strat or, or a, a Telecaster from a certain year has mm-hmm. a certain tone because the way it's built is the same thing with these synths because they're not digital, exactly. they're hand-built. They have, yeah, they're, they exactly. have character. And that is something that most people would think, well, how can an electronic music instrument have character? Yeah, it's because a lot of craft Um. (laughs) went into this. And there's a lot of, I mean, it's a complicated instrument, actually. Yeah, so like in terms of your your harps, um, I've never really talked to someone who had a harp before. There's certain types of harps that you look for that you're going to play, that you go to certain manufacturers or... Or, or instrument creators that are there certain things you look for as a musician on a harp what are those things that you look for when you go to well, i have a few big uh manufacturers the salvi is italian line and healy american uh kamak from france i play a line and healy and my reason f- to choose this instrument was because it's one of the uh, i think it's the only uh, manufacturer that still um crafts all, all of the parts of the instrument manually and I think you can tell so they are um, all of different kind of beautiful qualities I mean they're expensive instruments and they're all very well made but you can tell so there's it feels a bit more personal when you pick an instrument so I, I bought my harp this one that I have now two and a half years ago and it spoke mm-hmm. to me because it was a match in the way it was built and in the way it sounds to my playing. Do they customize them for no. your body? I mean, like, like, do you actually get them built for the, like your No, they are standardized. Or they yeah, just they don't, do, they don't that. do that? It's standard. Like, they, no, they don't, they don't do that. that. I mean, you can ask it, but I think you'll have to come up with a lot of money for them to do it. <laughs> to do that that would be kind of crazy <laughs> yeah because because of course they i mean they they produce an amount of harps uh, according to their uh, catalog or or something like this and uh, to what they usually sell they have standard models okay and then you can customize it to a certain degree if you want yeah but you'll pay so <laughs> yeah, yeah pay so you you take the standard you don't customize you, you take the standard no range. usually people don't customize their harps because they're usually just really great as they are i think they're great as they are yeah that's interesting yeah. so so um so we talked about so your writing style when you write your music like you're writing your own pieces right are you taking like classical standard classical pieces when you perform well so i I actually started um, a new project with my brother and and a colleague of his. They are industrial designers. Uh, We we were supposed to premiere on the 1st of April, but we all know with the corona situation. Uh, so we postponed everything because we already found out at the beginning of March that we couldn't do anything. 
but we are working on an interactive light installation okay. and um yeah so i will use um already existing pieces by birio and takemitsu for instance mm -hmm. and i um, i'm using effects and i found this great semi-analog synthesizer the squaver from sonic smith oh okay i know who they are yep and um, I'm using those, uh, the effects, like the, the ring modulator. Oh, so and, you're actually uh, using a ring modulator in the synth, like an effect pedal? Yes, exactly. Cool. So, yeah, so I'm using those to write kind of my own compositions, but I mainly play existing music for now. I just started getting into writing my own music, so it's quite new. And I can't wait to actually try it out, but I have to wait a bit longer. <laughs> That's interesting. There's a lot of cool techniques. I love people don't realize that like, guitar players like like Pete Townsend is famous for using an ARP 2600 on the song "Who Are You." Um, he used that that instrument has the ability to do something called. Yeah, uh, oh, I should check that out. Yeah, it had a thing called sample and hold, which basically that means is it's it's a random volt generator that creates a randomization. So when you run if you run your guitar through it. It creates this randomization that comes from... So you could play a pattern on your guitar, but it'll get randomized, randomized through the synth. You have to and tell then, me what it's called. <laughs> it's called well, the ARP 2600 is a famous um, modular synthesizer that was created by an American company. And famous right. people from like uh, Parliament Funkadelic used it. Ah, um, yeah. um, you know, Pete Townsend used it. A lot of famous musicians, you know, like a lot, you know, Yes used it. Um, a lot of you know great progressive synth bands used it, funk bands used it, but mm. it had a couple of capabilities where it could actually take in guitar input, and and people used like the random volt generator and they used the envelope follower to actually enhance their sound. And it's kind of famous that the "Who Are You" song from Pete Townsend. It sounds like it's a synthesizer because it is, but it's his actual guitar going through the synth that creates this kind of um, interval going up and down kind of interval thing that you hear and it sounds like it sounds like it's a pattern off of a sequencer with actually it. him playing the guitar through the synth. <laughs> that is really cool. I'm going to check it out. I just wrote it down. <laughs> yeah, they actually reissued the R2600 like Korg um, actually reissued a full analog version of it. Um, so it, it's been, re, you know, the older oh. versions of it were sitting around from the. It was made from the 70s and up until the 80s. And then they stopped making them. There's like maybe 10,000 of them sitting around. But um, wow. there's a brand new one that is modeled off of the original. And it's very cool because it was used um, by a lot of um, a lot of really interesting artists used it for, for the fact that you could, one of the famous artists that used it was actually a, a filmmaker and the voice of R2-D2 from Star Wars. You know, actually, I have to admit that I have never seen a Star Wars movie. Well, if you ever saw Star Wars, there's a little robot creature that's the one that's by the gold one. You know, the one that looks like a humanoid. Yeah. And then the other ones like R2-D2 is like a little... Like, yeah, yeah, I know. I know one. what it looks like, yeah. Yeah, that sound of his voice, it comes from the ARP 2600. Ah, using that's incredible. The, the, the random volt generator on, on a voice. The guy, the, the director, well, the sound engineer took a microphone and ran the microphone through the synth. And then use that envelope flower to create that random sound that sounds like a robot talking. That's incredible. There's a lot of cool things you can do with that. If you take sense, like I have a mode that has a, a real physical spring reverb. 
And if you run a guitar through it, you get a physical st- string reverb like a guitar pedal. Oh, wow. But then you also have access to the whole workflow of the synth. So then you could use the ladder filter, you could use the envelope generators, you can do all this cool stuff. So it's interesting that you were talking about using a synth because there's a lot of cool stuff you can use in, in the synthesizers. You can use the envelopes, you can use the filters. Yeah, I still have to get use, uh, way more familiar with it because it's a, it's a, it's an, yeah. I, I didn't realize, but it's far more complicated than I thought it would be. It's yeah. actually learning a new yeah, instrument. Yeah, a lot of sound. And I, <laughs> there's a lot of subtractive, <laughs> subtractive sound synthesis you can do to your sound yeah. and like turn it inside but out. But that's actually what makes <laughs> it so exciting because I thought, I, you know, I, I was very frustrated about two years ago or a year ago talking to uh, well, my friend who is the owner of these million synthesizers about the, the limitations of my instrument. I thought, okay, I know exactly what I like about it, but now I'm stuck. And he told me, no, you don't have to be. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> no, you could do a lot of cool things. There's a yeah. lot of cool things with like Moog had a pedal system, bass pedal system called a Taurus. And you can actually use it as a, it's actually a pedal synthesizer that you can use your feet. You're right. You can t- connect it to a string instrument. And then when you press the pedals, it actually goes through a synthesizer. And then it allows you to manipulate it. Like if you were playing a piano or using foot pedals, you can go and assign those foot pedals to different aspects of the synth. And I've seen oh, a lot of wow. guitar players and bass players do that to add, you know, really big depth to what they're doing. So they can actually kick off like something that sounds like a pad or strings off of a guitar. And you're like, wow, ah. how do you do that? And it's like, what? Right. Yeah, there's a lot of cool things. You, you should tell me more about this. Into- this should be an interview the other yeah. way around. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a, that's one thing about being an electronic musician. We love doing different things. That's what we like. Right. To do. Yeah, because and, um, I have played around with the with the Mooger Fugger. Oh, yeah. I cool. loved yeah, it. Awesome. This random delay was incredible. I think I've never heard something so cool before. Yeah, similar. Yeah, that's a really cool device. A lot of people look for those all the yeah. time. You're kind of highly known by all kinds of musicians. Use filmmakers love them. You know, they love that composers like to do use those a lot because they can do a lot of cool things with that. Yeah, um, it's really cool. It's interesting. So you said you did some collaborations with like audio visual that you're getting ready to work on for like an installation, but they got put off by um by the whole coronavirus. Yeah. Have you t- work, thought about working with? any other musicians from like different genres, like all the different genres are out there, like, you know, like an EDM or a trance or a hip hop or, you know, experimental, you know, electronic. Have you thought about doing that? Yeah, I have, but I've never, um, I mean, I have actually also worked sometimes with a EDM producer and um, also um, with, uh, with, Singers with other genres outside of classical music, but mm-hmm. I've never actually gone deeper into it because I, for some reason we always get stuck somewhere. But I would love to do something with it, with uh, in with hip hop. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, there's a lot of cool things between like K-pop and J-pop yeah. and EDM and trance, industrial. And like I'm all over the map. I like hitting everything. Yeah, because I, I lo- I'm crazy about hip hop, and I think there's there's a lot of cool songs that actually have harp samples in them. Oh yeah, they're, they're, those they mean hip hop artists will sample everything. They'll sample classical. Yeah. They'll, they'll sample Bach. They'll Beethoven and Chopin, whatever they right. can get. And, um, Let's take something out of it. You know, they, and they, and I thought, for you life. know, this is really cool. And so the harp doesn't have to be such a, it can also be a, a really, yeah. you know, cool instrument 
yeah, a guy like Kendrick Lamar, he would probably be big time into that because he samples like Coltrane. And yeah, exactly. Like Sun Ra. Mm-hmm. He samples a lot of really interesting jazz. Yeah. And um, yeah, the, you, the tone of your instrument really could work with experimental hip hop, you know, guys who are, who are pushing it. Um, and there's a lot of like underground hip hop bands in New York that love kind of cross genre mixing. They, they're always looking for different sounds and they're starting to open up with a lot of hip hop bands before the whole shutdown. Right. I've been seeing hip hop bands that were actually playing with full live bands. They've actually had jazz musicians. I think really Kendrick Lamar might, might have made a little change there, right? Because he, his, his, uh, yeah. the album from uh, 2015, I think it was. The... Yeah, yeah. Uh, he actually has a full band. When he, when he performs, he has like jazz drummers and horn players and, you know, keyboard players. Nice. He actually plays it's a, it's a, stuff uh, It's live. a new take on hip hop after, <laughs> after the late 90s, 2000s, I think. It, well, it's cool because like it gets limiting if you just have a CVJ and yeah. you're off like an Akai MPC or something. Like you use a sequencer, that's cool. But what they're starting to find out is like, well, you know, I'm a live performer, and it's the, the dynamics of having a musician on stage with you, having a real live drummer. There's things that you can yeah. do that you can't do with a drum yeah. machine, and 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 they're starting to realize that. And the more and more hip hop bands are in, you know, bringing in real bass players bringing your real guitar players you know not just sampling it but actually having them play right. the parts and that is, is opening things up to be well then new, of course like, i mean area. that's what sets apart a live performance from playing a cd i think oh yeah because i think i mean you got a different audience i think there's an audience that's like the dance audience yeah. they just want to dance and they want to have the kind of known sound of something that's going to be constant yeah but but if there's a different fan that wants to see a band play, you know, like somebody wants to see the Who or the Beatles or they want to see yeah. like a, a real band and, and, and seeing this kind of hybrid thing that Kendrick was doing is, is kind of grabbing that audience, you know, that wants to see a live rock band. They said, oh, wow, this hip band, how band actually plays, yeah. you know, and, and they kind of get interested and they get a wider audience exactly. more people that want to see them. Um, it's like a dance club is only so big, but a stadium <laughs> is more oriented toward live performance. True, that's true. Yeah. So, so like you've played live because that's the nature of your business, your art. Right. So when you're live playing, I've seen like on your, uh, you've played in Belgium, Germany, Switzerland, Italy, France, Ireland, UK. So you've done, yeah, you're on Dutch national TV. You're on a MPO uh, four right. radio. So you've been you've been out there with your art in, in a big way, as as a classical musician. You so you're you're a little bit more like known um, based on your performances. Yeah. Performances. I mean, yeah, I'm. That's I, cool. I, so that, do you get any pushback from other art? Like, sometimes you get people in a genre or in art. Like, if you get like a painter, they're like, "Well, I'm only doing galleries, <laughs> and I'm only going to do fine art, and I'm not going to do any commercial art." <laughs> And do you get that within your genre where people say, well, I'm not doing anything that's like commercial. Oh, yeah. Within Especially fine. classical musicians are so elitist and snobs. And I will, uh, I mean, I've, 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 I've done my fair share of snobism as well. So I, we will say, no, commercial stuff is the worst. You're selling your soul to the devil. How can you? No. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think, um, I think 
we're a bit past that also. At least I am way past that. And um, I get asked for... Uh, people know me to be loud and very expressive with my music. So it doesn't matter if you put me in a classical... If you make me play a, pl a classical program or if you let me do my own more experimental contemporary music, uh, people know what they're going to hear. And I, I hope I, that's also the way I engage with them because of the sound I can produce. And um, yeah, pushback. No, I think, uh, yeah, I'm sure people have their opinions, <laughs> but also I can't be bothered. <laughs> yeah. So I've seen that you actually have um, like a duo with your yeah, sister, Yeah, true. Right? That's true. And so, and then you also, um, you work with other musicians and chamber ensembles, yes. right? I do it all. I mean, I enjoy it all. So yeah, sure. also with my new project, once it starts taking off and I, I hope sooner than later, but let's see what Corona has in has planned for us. Yeah. I will still play classical music and chamber music and uh, orchestra music, but I, I really want to contribute something to the development of the, of the repertoire and to the development of the instrument and the way we view uh, or the way my typical well, think, audience yeah, views yeah. classical music. I think it would be really cool to see like, like um, your instrument go through a big like Moog, like yeah. the Model 55, the kind, the kind that Keith Emerson used, these gigantic <laughs> like modulars. Um, you know, even if you could go through an R2600, which is more like a smaller version of that, but that that would be really cool visually to see. And, and the big thing in electronic music is like modular, yes, or Eurorack, where guys in Germany and Berlin, and you know, in New York, you know, in Los Angeles, they 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 go to these small shows and they have these modular synths and it's kind of like free jazz. Yes. You just go with your modular synth and you just and you play with. You have poets speak do spoken word over it um you have other musicians like bass players and stuff come in and and jam with you and you're, you're i think classical musicians going into that would be really cool they, if you actually had somebody playing like a, like your instrument and somebody doing that i think that would be really i think so too. it would be harp so. uh, 4.0 right right i think that would be <laughs> yeah it would it, show a whole new generation your instrument and uh, different ways to to appreciate it other than being in a chamber choir. Exactly. Um, or a chamber or being a yeah, beautiful instrument just... in the back of an orchestra. I think uh, it's time for a little development. I, I, I'm jealous at the, at, the, at, the, at the pace of technology. I, it moves much slower in music, mm -hmm. but I think, uh, yeah, at least I want to try to contribute to that. That'd be awesome. Like when things get opened up again, and we can see those kind of live performances. In between that, what I've been doing is I've been doing like uh, collaborations, like through the net. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so I, yeah, cause I have a home studio, so I, I actually I'll work with a, a musician in LA. I work with somebody in Norway. You know, I work. I'm working now with this um like an Italian musician where I'm working on a project, um through like a music gateway project, and I'm actually you know putting down my my parts on 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 a album that he's uh had me working right. on so even though we're kind of we're kind of stuck in our homes the one advantage of being an electronic musician we kind of build our own yeah totally and of studios. course i think this is the first time <laughs> yeah. anyway i don't know if you experience it the same way that everybody has an as an as a free agenda open agenda and actually these collaborations are easier to make them happen now 
And oh yeah, because everybody's got their Ableton <laughs> or they got their Pro Tools. And then, you know, you've got, like, a guy like me, I'm, I'm a hardware guy, so I've got hardware recorders. Oh, wow. I've got, like, and then I and I, I kind of capture things live. So I do a little different. I don't have, like, MIDI. I have the ability to do MIDI stuff, but I tend to like to do it on my hardware recorders. Yeah. And then I, I'll have stems, but they're wave stems. They're not MIDI instructions. And one of the reasons I do that is because I actually want the sound of my Moog to kind of be set in stone. Ah, yes, of course. I can <laughs> if imagine. I just send you a, if I send you a, yeah, if I send you a MIDI, then you're going to take that MIDI instruction and put it to a different instrument or a different sound. And it might not be the sound that I wanted. And so I kind of control exactly. what the sound's going to be by forcing you to use my yeah. Moog. <laughs> um, so, so when I work with somebody, they, they're not gonna just get a, a MIDI instruction that they can bring into a different instrument. They get the baseline that I picked that tone. And no, that's but that's the tone that, I, I think, of course, that has to do with your uh, with your um, artistry. Like how you how you view you choose these things for a reason. So, yeah, well, I think that puts me like I can understand like an instrument, a musician like yourself, because the tone of your your your, your harp that's that's what it is. It's not like a MIDI instruction that you can throw into Ableton. Sure. Um, it's how you how you played it. It's how you played it, and then the tone of it is like your instrument speaking through you, and you, you don't want to just shift that into a MIDI no. instruction because then you you lose yeah the character um, and, and you know that that's part of one of the problems of modern music is some people just think the tones are just you know you can just let the producers change right. And that's fine, but I just don't like my producers. No, because you write it with the, with the reason. Are you? Yeah, yeah. The reason why you do it, like, I guess, you know, it depends on what you want to do. Like, I have a certain, what I want to get across. And some people are willing to say, well, I will let the producer sure. do it. It's kind of like, how much control do you want the producer to have versus you as a musician yeah. to have over yeah. what you're doing? Um, so I think that's just like, you know, some people are, don't care about it as much. Um, and other people care a lot about <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> um, uh, so... What did what I see that you do have music on Spotify? You do have music on the streaming services. That yeah, are it's an album I recorded Spotify a couple of years specifically. ago that I just had to do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. So when you record, do you go to a physical yes. studio and use because to capture your instrument, you have to mic it. Uh, you would have to mic it like an acoustic guitar. Or something. Yeah, more like a piano, I think. Yeah. Yeah, you have to have a lot of different mics in your instrument. Do you have to have a lot of different mics around it? You just use like you have different mics at different heights to capture. Yeah, there's, how it there's. Um, I don't. So I, I'm so sorry. I cannot describe the mics by name because I don't know much about microphones. <laughs> but there were, uh, yeah. So there's like uh, to um, to capture the acoustics of the of the venue or the studio wherever it is. Usually, I pick a studio also that will go great with the instruments because it's. You want the sound box to get a bit of a yeah, room. So you gotta yeah. have a so you're it's really important important for you to have a room that's known for certain acoustic characteristics. Yeah. Right? So your instrument gets yeah. picked up right. Although for my new project I, I I wouldn't do that. I'm also gonna record the music that I'm writing and uh, using. Uh, I will record it on C D but I want more of a, a real sound, the, the one that I that I hear up close. So I don't want it to, to sound like over acoustic. Mm -hmm. Actually I want it to be a bit more dry. 
So it's a choice. But for this mm-hmm. specific yeah. album, it was a very, it was a 20th century, uh, very classical CD that I recorded just because it's this music that kept following me and I wanted to get rid of it. So I thought I'd just record it and maybe I'm done with it. <laughs> put it down. Well, that's cool. We, we're going to put the link to that. Cause we have oh, thank to you. Your, to your main um, website and we're going to put the link to that album. Um, and then, um, yeah, we're going to put a bunch of links that come from your thank main you. website. Um, we like we are we have that ability. To <laughs> That's do that. great. And because because we're a partner with Spotify, we can we can link their stuff specifically, but we can also put other links in there um, that aren't Spotify. That's great. So um, could, yeah, that's good. Well, you have to. You don't want to just only do that. <laughs> yeah, I know they would probably want me to just do that. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, yeah. So you're you're um. What do you think about the current state of the music industry, like being a musician like yourself? um, How much do you really depend on streaming services versus like actually physically playing like venues? It would seem like in your business, you probably aren't as as focused on on it as like the the more popular genres. But how do you how do you view like the streaming Um, services? Well, honestly, I think the streaming services... um... I think music is made for people, so it should be accessible for people also, to people. And, and to that point, I think it's actually great that it exists. Um, I don't use it much. So I have one CD on Spotify, and I think it's also uh, on a few other platforms. But because I haven't recorded that much yet, I'm not so familiar with, I don't know, like... Um, the compensation or transparency of their policies. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. Yeah. That's one of the big problems for like most of the musicians in the indie space, like the alternative rock musicians like myself. One of the problems, I mean, the cool thing about streaming, it gets a worldwide yeah. audience where, you know, I've been able to talk to people in Amsterdam, people in, you know, in Japan, right. in Australia, all these places I would have never yeah, reached. Yeah, that's before. a that's great. You know, of course, you uh, you can expand your audience. I think yeah. that's the big point. But the bad point is kind of like radio in the seventies, where it's, it's an advertisement capability, but you don't necessarily get get compensated at the level that you would offer like a vinyl CD or a CD. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the problems with it is that the compensation level. A lot of bands have to physically. And in this coronavirus era, there's a big problem for a lot of, you know, music, you know, bands yes. is the bands I talk to, like they, they, the only way they get money is to do the physical yes, show. Yes, uh, same for, same for me, it's, it's 80% of my income is doing, yeah. doing concerts. Yeah, and selling merch. I mean, the weird thing today, there's kind of like a thing that I've talked to other musicians about is the devaluation of music as a commodity, not that you want it to be a commodity, but. In the 70s, you want to buy a Led Zeppelin album, you had to buy it on vinyl right. or a track. So you had to buy it. You couldn't really hear it. You hear it on the radio, but if you want to own it, you had to buy it. Um, now you can get it for like 0.06 of a penny on yes. the street. With, <laughs> and the problem with that is, you know, kids will buy an Xbox video game for $60. Yeah. But they won't pay ten dollars for a band. for a band that they list they love to listen band. to also they love it they do listen to it. yeah yeah and they won't yeah and they won't they won't buy it and it's like so it's like how do you get that video game generation that will spend all that money on the video game to go back and buy the records 
you know, and, and, and that's been a hard thing that the record industry hasn't found yep. a way to convert or figure out how to get a, a decent level of compensation um, for what the work that musicians do. And it, it really is going to be a, a big problem in this era. Yeah. You know, if we're locked down for 18 yeah, months, who knows? <laughs> you know, some bands might not make, they might not make, yeah. you know, back back to be musicians you know they might no not i see people it. around so me already after it's been uh, seven or eight weeks now here i think i i see people around me looking into what other skills they have and maybe developing some something else, some something else or learning a new skill and and just quitting music altogether because it's never been a great income or because they are completely desperate with the future yeah, and I think that's just sad that, that, you know, that the music, you know, everybody loves music, but they don't really understand that, you know, you, have, you need to get paid yeah. for what you do. Not that you want to be so, a millionaire, but there needs to be a way to be. Yeah, to that point, living. I'm also kind of annoyed with all the live streaming concerts. Uh, first of all, there was mm-hmm. so much output in the first few weeks of Corona and in very poor quality. <laughs> That I didn't want to watch anything, but also I think, yeah, if you're going to offer everything you're doing and have worked for so hard for free, uh, what do you expect people want after this period? I mean, how do we get back to? Yeah, you gotta be. Well, they gotta be careful. Can I mean? I guess I, I, I think it's the whole thing where bands are hoping that people will go buy their merch yeah. or go buy their physical CD. Yeah. But if you give them too much live, they won't. No, exactly. <laughs> so. So that's been the kind of rub is like, you know, giving all this stuff away for free has gotten people used to saying, well, I don't have to pay for it because I could go on YouTube and yeah. just listen to it. Um, and so even if you put a donate button, like what's been going on is like Spotify and SoundCloud are putting donation buttons, but people are like, well, why am I going to hit that when I can just play yeah, it for free? So... And they're still, they're, still not, they're still not putting any money. No, I don't. I, I think it should come from uh, other places than uh, only the audience. I think performing live for people will never really disappear, but I wonder if, how long it will take for people to actually want to go and show up and concerts en masse again in big groups and yeah, that that's been a big problem. So if you can, you know, the the way to kind of do it on online is you got to have a quality yeah. performance and find a way to ticket people. And it yeah. actually, there are capabilities that they create tickets, and you got to create something that would be worth somebody paying that ticket for. But, yeah, but so don't it, do it from your living room. Like I cannot perform from my li- from my living room, for instance. I don't. That doesn't feel like a concert to me. So if I will do any, I mean, I did one live stream concert and it was really nice because it was in a studio, so it sounded great, and it felt like a lot of fun. But it's also super strange. I really miss the interaction with the audience. I yeah, I think as a musician, that's that's what's a hard thing. The feedback that you know a guitar player or a person like yourself gets yes. off of the audience kind of feeds the performance. And you know, I've played in New York City, and like you just playing in my bedroom studio, I can't get that feedback. No, you know, from the audience like in Manhattan. If I'm in a Manhattan club, like an equivalent to like a CBGBs or something like right. a, like a. There's different clubs in, 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 in Manhattan. If you're playing with the audience, like you you do your solo on your mini mode kind of like because the people are giving you yeah. this reaction and you go somewhere exactly. you might not have gone based on how people are. are yeah, behaving. so it won't fully and, replace um, everything. But you're right. There's there's ways to get 
to buy tickets for live streams. But I, I just, yeah, I think it should be a, a temporary way to to still bring art and music to people's homes and to not completely feel like you're disappearing. But it should definitely not become new standard this way. Well, yeah, and the other thing, you know, being the type of musician I am, I can work on other people's yeah, projects. in your and, studio. You know, get, get paid. Yeah, do stuff where I put bass lines on something or mm. pads on something or, or or I run something through my Moog that they can't do. Uh, so I run a vocal through the Moog and then I'm yeah. able to give them something they can't, <laughs> they can't get. Um, and so that that's what you can do. You kind of farm your services out. Then, you know, you can work on different right. projects. Um be able to be more collaborative and you know more open to different things because now you're working with somebody else's project and they want this and they want that so you have to be some, like working with yeah exactly <laughs> probably <laughs> you know so you can't you can't just do what you want you have to be in tune with what yeah. the project is um it's a different way of behaving than when you're doing your own project sure. um so only certain people are capable of doing that because they kind of like, well, I'm not really a team player. <laughs> um, it's a different type yeah. of thing going on. So, so what kind of resources are available to you in this era right now? Um, like if your project on hold, you're working on other things or you, you're finding other ways to be creative? Uh, resources in, in, in the sense of how do I yeah, get by financially? Yeah, well, maybe as a musician, are you able to get by as a musician right well, now? Or you happen to pull? No, I'm, I'm still trying as a musician. As far, I mean, I, I'm I'm working in my studio, which is not a recording. I don't have a studio set up, but it's a, a workspace. Um, I'm here every day. Um, yeah, I'm trying to improve my program. The 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 one that I told you about with the installation, because uh, I have time now. So I'm mm -hmm. I'm trying to. Uh, I want to learn how to use Ableton, for instance. I, I'm trying to improve my skill set as well, but because I want to. Watch well, closely. Why to start putting down projects? Yeah, I want to be more equipped to to, to do your, exactly your what I want to do with the harp. So for that, it's a great moment. I think otherwise I wouldn't have so much time. Although. You might not no, about I would have asked right? help if, if, instead. If you were put in a situation, you would have just gone to somebody else. Yeah, I would have asked studio, help. Yeah. Right? And, and, and you... But now, actually, I get to learn so now something. Let's, I so I that's, that's also people. really good. And I usually work better with a deadline. Yeah, yeah. I'm hearing more. <laughs> that's cool. Well, yeah, the deadline kind of forces you to get stuff done. And then when you don't have a deadline. Yeah, but I, I, so I'm trying to put my own <laughs> deadlines. And I have this new collaboration with the spoken word, uh, the poet. And with the Iranian musician, we're setting up something uh, for next season, 2021. So that's something to look forward to. And in the meantime, awesome. the, well, the Dutch government here has uh, decided to support freelancers with uh, the minimum income for three months, which is great, but it's, it's going to be six months minimum. <laughs> so three months <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're, I'm in the same situation. The U.S. government is giving us money for like four months, but then they're saying that we probably can't do anything yeah. for like six months. Yeah, they have already decided here last <laughs> so week at the press conference, and they said until the 1st of September, there's no concert or events. 
and um yeah. but after that also i i still have some concerts left in november and october and december but i'm not sure if they're going to take place in yeah yeah well the problem yeah the problem what we have here is they're telling us based on the 1918 pandemic that it tends yeah. to come back right, right in, in, in the autumn second wave and yeah. so we're being told yeah we're getting told by a lot of venues in Boston and New York, and I live in the Northeast, they're like, well, they don't think they're open right. until 2021. Yeah, this concert season so, is finished. So most of them are... <laughs> oh. Yeah, so we're kind of like, I don't know, I don't no. think those places are going to open. Um, so so then everything's switching to... A, a lot of bands I've talked to are like, oh, I'm going to learn Ableton the way I said <laughs> I was going to try, but because I was doing all these shows, I never really yeah. sat down and did it. And people are trying to learn how to be their own recording engineer, which is kind of like, okay, get it right. <laughs> but um, because a lot of people are like, that's an art in itself. And I think what happens, like if you're an electronic musician, you tend to learn how to do it because your yes, instruments kind of require it. Um, but if you're like a band, like a guitar band, you don't have to do that. You can always, you can go to a studio, you can get a real recording engineer. But electronic musicians were kind of better suited because a lot of the gear we use end up right. having those kind of processors on it because you know we're kind of already right. in that position so i mean it's easier for me to do oh yeah that for me it feels like learning else. a completely but, um, different uh, skill instrument i don't at first i don't understand anything i watch tutorials endlessly and then i still don't understand terms but i hope to at some point understand it out of context and then be able to use it. <laughs> but yeah. I, I, I'm having fun. I mean, yeah, it's really I, cool. I mean, would rather do this than when I look at some of my colleagues who are just taking this as a long holiday and uh, be lazy about it or just complain about it. I would rather come out with three new projects yeah, and I mean, I, having, a, I, a, I, I don't know, an understanding <laughs> uh, my squaver and Ableton. I don't know. Well, I think it's cool. I, yeah, I think it's really cool. I find some other musicians are like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm a guitar player. I'm gonna yeah. learn the bass. So they had a bass player around. It's like, well, I'm gonna focus on my bass playing and see if I can do that. Cause that's gonna help me if I want to do a project. Then I can just kind of put the bass down. I can put the guitar down. I can, I can get it all <laughs> yeah. done myself. So, you know, the same thing with guys who are like, oh, I want to learn how to do some drums. So now they got the time to sit down yeah. and try to learn the drums. And so. I think like a lot of musicians I've talked to are like, okay, well, I'm going to try to hone my craft. Yeah, exactly. Try to get better. Um, and so they're taking it as time to like that time you said you always so wanted. Start now you have something it. With... So just, exactly. just don't sit well, and watch I can't, Netflix. I, can't watch <laughs> I don't have the. I I used to be able really good, really really able to watch series endlessly, but I feel like no, no, I'm never going to get this time again in my lifetime. Hopefully. So much extra time that I didn't think yeah. I would ever have. I'm going to use it the best way I can. Yeah, I just started diving down into my mode, which <laughs> I already do. And I started uh, doing all this like interconnectivity between all my stuff through controlled voltage. Like, I, you know, it looks like a telephone system <laughs> with the wires all over <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> so I was like, because we can kind of we can kind of rewire our sense. So I started watching all these tutorials from all these people from like Moog and Profit and Roland. They're like, okay, well, you can do this. You can go and get this like really interesting kick drum if you run your sequence, your synthesizer through this, or you can get a really good pad. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to learn more techniques on how to do stuff and just dive down. So I just spend, I just kind of set time every day 
could do. Uh, that must be incredible. Design. You know, not even going. Yeah, well, sound design is one of the things about a synthesizer. You can just sit there and do sound design rather than even playing. You can spend time yeah, that, trying to that's... build your sounds. And that, that's an art in itself. And then from there, from building a sound, then you can take that sound and it'll, it'll drive you to build a new song. Because it takes, oh, I got this new sound I never had. But that sounds like a dream to me. That's I I I really should get into synthesizers. Yeah, if you're into that, that's what I think the big thing about synthesizers that you've never been into is the fact that you can create your own tone. That's the that's the dream. And that that, that's what drives you as a songwriter. So I'm a songwriter, and then I can I don't have to buy somebody's pad. You know, I don't have to pay for a subscription service. I just go to my Moog and every day I can get yeah, it to that's generate incredible. different tones. And so that that is the ultimate when you're a keyboardist. If you're stick, sticking with some of the old keyboards that just, you know, setting based and they got set sounds, these, you know, other synths that can create the tones, that's the whole right. that's the whole deal. I mean, I, that's what drove me when I was like 18 years old to go grab an old like right. Ju- Jupiter. <laughs> was a famous like Roland sent the reason I liked it and he was the way I don't know what the settings are I said well there's no you know it has no existing pads you you had to create the pad there were people were like some of my friends were like well <laughs> I can't play that and it was because I don't know what yeah. it's going to do and I was yeah, like, oh, that's, that's incredible to me <laughs> <laughs> and so that's been my whole life with synthesizers is the fact that he doesn't save it on the types I use is is the whole point of like why you do it is that every yeah. day you create new tones so yeah so if you're really into like mixing that with your with your harp and getting into that you you'll find yourself like going oh the i'm afraid it's it, will, really it sounds here. like an endless universe that i mean a very expensive one also by the way <laughs> yeah you don't want to go down the rabbit hole no, that's out. what it sounds like to me right now but i but i'm so curious about it and I, yeah uh, you should really give me some tips to start with. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. Oh, yeah. I got all kinds of ideas. But, yeah, I can send you some videos off the net to show what you can do. But Yes, um, please. Yeah, there's some really interesting things you can do with, um, with like, acoustic instruments and electronic gear um, that, that can really, like, uh, yes, enhance what you're doing. Um, so I'm glad that... that- yeah, that we're, we had you on the show. We're going to push this out. Thanks it's for having me. It's going to be out within an hour uh, worldwide. Yeah, it's going to be on 11 platforms. And we'd love to talk to you when you have your that project hits yes. fruition and the one you're talking to um, in 2021 with the Iranian um, musician. That would be really cool to have you come on. You Maybe that we could have great. a call with both of you guys. I'll definitely let um, you know. That would be cool. Let's be in touch. Yeah, we definitely <laughs> Yeah, we'd love to have you have you on. For Thanks that. for That'd having cool. me. It was a lot of fun talking to you. Thank you. All Thank right. you. We enjoyed it too. So everyone, go out and um, hit the links we're going to put up and um, support the artists that you love. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you Thank very you. much for being on the show.